Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, it's a very special edition today. I've been joined by our championship winning manager, Brian McDermott. Brian, how are you doing? I'm good, Paul. How's yourself? I'm good. I'm good. On the second attempt of this, I'm feeling pretty good. So, uh, yes. Oh, what an amazing season that was. I mean, there were so many incredible matches during that season. But when we look back at it, what are the matches that kind of stand out to you and you remember when you're looking back at it? Um, Bristol City away when we were 2-0 down and it could have been 3 or 4. I think uh, Adam Federici made some really good saves that night and we were in big trouble. Uh, and we managed to to score three late goals, and we won the game. Matthew Manset, um, Ipswich away, two one down in the ninetieth minute, and we won the game three two. I think Noel got the winner. Um, Leeds at home, tough tough physical game, not one for the faint hearted that game, but we managed to win it two two nil. Um, obviously, the obvious ones were the. The West Ham away when I thought we really second half played really well. Southampton away, which was a great night. You know, it was a night of fantastic joy for all of us and fans. And I often look back at that game and think, wow, what great support we had that night. What a lovely evening. And it was Friday night. So, you know, because it was Friday night, we we didn't have to play the next day. And uh, we were playing on the Tuesday. Um I remember Brighton as well, Brighton away when we had a lot of players playing in funny positions and a few of the guys that weren't that hadn't been playing regular were playing in positions that they wouldn't normally play in. Uh, and Adam Adam Federici was magnificent that night. Ian Hart scored from a free kick. And I don't speak enough about it. Adam, Adam Feders. He was such a top-class keeper. He really was. And uh, his distribution was second to none in the league. Great guy, great fella really hungry to do well um and i remember what an unbelievable performance he put in and it was a match winning 
championship winning performance that night at Brighton from from Fedders. Yeah, totally. Um, there's so many matches like you just brought up there. Just like that. How's it like as a manager when you're in these games and you turn them round late on, like Ipswich away and Bristol City, obviously. Do you start to think we've got something special here? I, I knew we had something special. Not 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 in as much as I knew we had something special and we're gonna win the league, because it's life's not like that. Um I had such a great trust in the in the staff, such a great trust in the players. Um, the camaraderie around the training ground was second to none. Uh, the players in the stands who were watching, they supported the players on the bench and on the pitch. The players on the bench supported the players on the uh, uh, on the pitch and everybody celebrated together. You know, and I still speak to a lot of those guys, to the guys to this day. And I think I said after uh, we got promotion that, you know, you can have, we, we will have a bond forever. And that's how I feel about those the players that we had in that season. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can tell you now, I spoke to Noel Hunt earlier, uh, just a couple of messages on Twitter, and he said to me, tell Brian that I love him. He <laughs> said, I know, he, he knows that. But to me, that just says everything about the spirit that you created there, Brian. And that was the thing, you know, like a lot of managers say, oh, you know, players have got to respect me and they've got to, doesn't matter about liking it. I didn't see it that way. I loved the, the fellas. I loved the players. I love working with them. I love coming into to work with them. And, you know, there was, they were all top, top guys. There were guys that you would uh, go out and then sit down and have a meal with. And even to this day, you know, I went and had coffee with Jen recently. I had coffee with Noel recently. I spoke to Jason recently. Um, and just like it was, it was like yesterday. It was, it was really lovely. Top, top experience, just having those people and, and getting all those players together. It's just a, it was a fabulous experience. Yeah, they're just genuine people, aren't they? <laughs> Above everything else, they're kind of like people you just want to know. I know from my, my small amount of dealings I've had with all of them, they're just fantastic. It's just so straightforward, and that's all you ask for. And just getting back to the season, it didn't start off ideally, Brian, did it? I mean, it wasn't the ideal like dream start. There was obviously a massive hangover from the playoff final the season before, which is understandable. Kind of, We have five consecutive defeats at one point. Well, to, to put the to put the to put where we were in context, we we come off the back of a playoff final defeat, which is always tough. Matt Mills, our captain, Eva Ingemarsson, uh, Zerab Kishnevili, and Jane Long, our striker, had gone. We had four big players um, had gone, had left, and we eventually, as after the first four or five games, I'm not sure when when it was, but we got. I think we got. Casper uh, Gorkes in, and we got Alfie in later on in that transfer window, and they they both proved to be an amazing amazing players for us. I mean, Casper had won the league with QPR the year before. He was just about to sign for Southampton. I knew his agent, which was lucky, and um, we managed to nick him away from Southampton and he signed for us, which was brilliant to start to get Casper over the line. I was so happy to get him over the line. I needed that kind of player, left footed leader, great personality, winner. And Adam Lafondra, he scores goals. Adam Lafondra will score goals when he's 60 years of age. That's what he does, you know, and he's just, a, he's another one. Absolutely selfless team player. Um, I can't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, totally. Scored a hat-trick in the weekend for Sydney FC, didn't he? He, he will never stop. He's like a, the new version of Jamie Curitan for Redden Football Club. Yeah. yeah. 
it just keep going. It's it's just sensational. But you look at those games that we had there. Um, I could pick out some pivotal games and move on a little bit later. West Ham 3-0. I mean, what a day that was. That was obviously the famous situation when we had Jimmy Kebe and his socks. And I've spoken to him on this podcast and he denies that he did it deliberately. But we never really know the full truth for Jimmy. He's like an enigma. <laughs> I don't think he did do it deliberately. I think he no. sucks falling down. And not because we're winning 3 now. I just think he, he's literally sucks of falling down. He's, and, he, and he just tied him up. And I kind of said that at the time. But when you just won 3 now, you don't want to come across as smug. Um, but I honestly don't think he meant it. He, Jimmy's not like that. You know, Jimmy's yeah. just an all-round decent fella. And that wouldn't be, that's not, he's a good pro. He wants to do things right. And that's not his thing. He's not his style. But, you know, obviously um, it, it was it was looked upon like that. But it, I don't think it, that was the truth. That's not Jimmy. Jimmy was just a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, the people never believe that he actually didn't mean it because it adds to the story, doesn't it? People want to believe it's true, but I don't think it actually is. And kind of like, how many times in that, moment in that season were you thinking to yourself in the changing room kind of like keeping the players happy like Adam LaFondra that, that's a real key part of management keeping these players that want to be starting I'm assuming Adam want to be but he goes on to play a huge part at the end of the season well I had a vision and and the thing is we also had like Nigel Gibbs was next to me and I was so fortunate to have Nigel with me and top, top guy, top, top coach, really consistent in everything that he does in life and his training. And he was next to me and he would always speak to the players that weren't involved. We we trained the players that weren't in, involved to get them to make sure they was always up to speed. Um, I, it was my job to leave players out, but I always told anyone that I was leaving out, I just told them if I had a difficult conversation to have, I, I, I had it quickly, but I never made a decision that I felt wasn't for the good of the team. And that's why, that's why I did it. And sometimes it'd break my heart, but, you know, Alfie would just scored a couple of goals, but I knew his role for a period of time was to come off the bench after the first 60 minutes had gone and Nolan and Robbo, Jason had got kicked by the defenders and the game had settled down, the spaces were opening up and there's no one better coming off the bench. There is no one better. Um, Oli Gonosolska maybe uh, back in the day that can pick the game up that did pick the game up as quickly as Adam did as Alfie did it ends up being top scorer as well with 12 goals I mean that says so much about him doesn't he he had limited game time but wow such an incredible impact that he made there I just look at the games and I, I wonder kind of as a fan it would be so enjoyable going for that second half of the season the momentum was absolutely crazy. 17 wins from 23 games. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. And as a manager, you're there in the training ground, you're trying to keep momentum going, but you must be feeling that something is happening there. There's like a train that's unstoppable at some moment, or are you always feeling it might stop? Um, no, because there was, there was moments... You know, I cut the season down into three parts. The first part was not the best. We're struggling to get a result. The second part, we started to win in a few draws and a loss now and again. So we end up like a top eight, nine team. Mm. 27 games in, we're about ninth in the league, probably 11 points off of West Ham. Uh, and we signed Jason Roberts. Mm. Now, sometimes you do something. And I thought, 
I remember Jason from when I was when he was 17 years of age and I was manager at Slough and he came off the bench when he was playing for Hayes and he scored a hat-trick against me. I never forgot. And I thought, one day I'm going to get that guy. One day I'm going to work with that guy. And uh, it took me a long time to get him. Um, and he was 34 when he came in and I'd seen him at 17. So I, I followed him all the time. And I just felt we needed a big... We had great guys. We just needed something different, a character that, that was the way Jason was. And then we, the first game that he played in, um, he um, he scored from the penalty spot against uh, Bristol City, and then we went on this run. But if we, if you, I remember we had a meeting about those ninety games, and you know you could look at it like this: there's nineteen games to go. The good news is we can still win the league. The bad news is we have to win sixteen games out of nineteen. Now, if you say to a football team, "Listen, guys, if you win sixteen games out of nineteen, you're going to go to the Premier League." They're going to probably go, mm, not going to happen. But if you go, can we win the first one? And we tick it off. And we went through the whole list and we ticked them off. On any given day, I think they came out with about 16 wins. That was what the lad said. Okay, that's what we're saying. Let's see if we can win the first one. Well, we didn't win 16 games. We won 15 and drew two. And that was enough. I think we'd take that though, Brian. I mean, it was but brilliant. It, I wanted the lads to get medals. And I think that was important. You know, to get to the Premier League was great, but for me to get a medal for the the players that you know that deserved that medal, like Ledge and Harty and Casper had got another one, and Adam and all the lads, Jem, Noel, you know, all of those boys, Joby, uh, you know, you go through that Jason. I don't think they had got a medal in their career. Had fantastic career, some of these guys. Ian Hart played in the semi final Champions League, but I don't think he ever got a medal before. I think that was his first medal, and for me. That was vitally important, Feders, to get a medal. You know, it was so important that all these boys got a medal and they did. And that's something you look back on, Paul, that really is that medal. Yeah, you're kind of, I feel like for you, I'm just listening to this, um, I'll ask you this now, is it more important for you to achieve for other people than for yourself? Um, I don't know about that. I, I wasn't. That achieving for myself, it's not, it's not, it was never about that. It never is about that. I'm, I'm, I, I, I just think that it's important. I just wanted to come in and do the best I could um, every day. Um, I mean, I remember the player final and losing the player final and walking down the road and feeling ashamed that we hadn't done it and feeling I've let people down, you know, and taking that responsibility on, which is, I didn't need to take that on because. We're a team, you know, we win together, we lose together. But I felt that, I felt that really very much, you know. So you can't, if you can't take all the responsibility for losing, you can't take the responsibility for winning either. And it was an absolute team effort, you know, that the lads were sensational, absolutely sensational. The sum of the parts was greater than the individual every time. And we were a team and we were the best team, and I'm going to say it, without the ball in the league by a country mile. Everyone was so disciplined. And then when we got the ball, we were the original counter-attacking team with two wingers that could run. And every time they had the ball, our players were just waiting, just waiting. They didn't mind if they played 500 passes. They were just waiting. So, and as soon as, we, as soon as we attacked, we knew we were going to go out wide to Jimmy or to Joby or stick it down the side for Noel or for, for, for Jason or for Alfie, whoever was playing, Churchy, whoever it was. And... You know, hit that team on the counter attack. 
such an exciting team to watch though you knew exactly what we were going to do as you just said there and yeah we were waiting it we weren't worried you could talk about the southampton match southampton had a lot of chances in that game a lot of the ball but we knew that at some point we were going to get chances as well because we just had jimmy kebe we had um, joby mackinough and we had adam lafondra there and those moments did happen and it's kind of like I just wish we could get back to that style now, but focusing on that league uh, season, obviously, when we won, I just kind of like, it makes me so proud inside to see that team. And it makes me feel like proud to be a Redden fan, remembering it and looking back at it. What's your overriding thought when you think of it, uh, just the season as a whole? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm totally proud. I mean, I, I look back at it now and with real fondness and, and, and very proud of those the players. But I was always proud to be part of Reading um, because Reading was different. You know, Alan Pardew came in, we played a certain way, 4-4-2, we were in-your-face team, always difficult to play against. Steve came in and did an unbelievable job saying, you know, and, and Steve had taught Alan and Alan looked up to Steve. And then I watched Steve do his bit and I'm looking at Steve thinking, God, and I... I'm learning every day. And then Brendan came in and, you know, obviously the Brendan story is, is he wasn't there a long time, but Brendan can manage anybody in the world now. You know, he can, he's a, he's a fantastic manager. No, we don't need to talk about how good Brendan is. It didn't work out. And then I came in and did, and just carried on what Alan and, and Steve had done, really. Um, so, yeah, I was proud because everyone talked about us in the game. That's how a club should be managed. That's how a club, not managed, that's how a club should be run. And they talked about how well the football club was run. And that, that to me, leaves a, is, is very, very important. You know, everything was done. We didn't spend loads of money on players, but we tried to do the best we could with our travel, the best we could with our food, the best we could with our training sessions, the best we could with our organisation, the best we could with our, with the, recruitment that we you know the players we signed all of those things that make the difference the little the little inches that make all the difference in football it's the one percenters isn't it it makes the huge difference overall to the club if you get those right everything can move in the right direction but yeah it, it was just a fantastic time to support reading but i want to talk a bit more about those individual huge matches that we had west ham away what a match that was. What a day, Brian. I mean, we start off by conceding an early goal from Carlton Cole, but the two goals at the end of the first half, one from Noel Hunt and one from Casper Gorks. That quick turnaround, how, how do you deal with that as a manager? And you, do you get the adrenaline there as well? Yeah, you got the adrenaline constantly. It's mm. <laughs> 24-7. Um, I think that game summed up the team, really. We hung in there and we did have to hang in there. We could have been three down, actually, the first half. They scored really early. And you know what it was like at that ground. It was it was a full house. And, uh, you know, they expected to win. The fans expected them to win. Um, and we just felt that if we could hang in there at 1-0, go in at 0-1, um, 
we'd be all right, but we didn't. We went in at 2-1 up, which was incredible. And the second half, we played really well. You know, with 3-1 up, they scored, which was a bit of a blow. But then we score again, make it 4-2, and then we could have gone on 5 or 6-2. Um, and the fans that day were incredible. And I forget afterwards going back, going to them and sort of waving to the supporters and seeing everyone behind that goal. And that was one of those I was there moments, really, and uh, for the supporters, for myself, for the players. Yeah, it was a great, it was a really great day. Yeah, totally. And Ian Hart scoring one of the penalties. What a player he was for during that season and just for his whole time at the club there, Brian. Oh, sensational. I mean, you know, if you look at Ian, we, we took Ian for, he had a buyout clause in his contract at 75 grand. So we took Ian and Gilfie, had, I, I'd never replaced Gilfie as a set play taker. And uh, Ian comes in and um, his set plays was phenomenal. You know, corners, penalties, free kicks, absolutely phenomenal. But not just that, he was hungry. He wanted to win. He was a winner. And, you know, he had a real professional, tough streak, but a good streak, you know, where players would look to him and go, he's played in the semi-final of the Champions League, this fella. And he's still putting in a shift. He's still working his socks off to try and get a result. Um, and a great combination with him and uh, Joby on the left-hand side. And they work so, so well together. Can't speak enough, highly enough of him. Really can't. No, no, totally. And then we move on very quickly to the Southampton match. And wow, one night. I, for me, that's the best ever away game for Reading FC. There's been some good ones. There definitely has been. But just the whole build-up, the anticipation... I just knew we were going to win. I just had that really, really massive, strong feeling that it was going to happen. And it didn't matter what Southampton did. We took the lead, obviously, early. But you talk about that night, Brian, because it's just magical when I look back now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what time the game kicked off. I think it was... Um, was it an early kickoff? Or five I think it was 7.45. Well, kind of like an evening kickoff. I think yeah. so in my memory. But I had had quite a few ciders by then, Brian, so I'm not quite sure... No, I hadn't, but uh, no. <laughs> I, think, I think no. I think I did an interview at five thirty um, for that particular game with the, with Sky, and we got ourselves ready. And um, I was really excited about the game. Um, I was just completely focused, and the players were completely focused on that game. And I remember um, we weren't in the game particularly, but we were all right with that because we were well used to it. We weren't worried about that. That's what we did. And then an unbelievable cross by Jimmy Kevo. And a fantastic header by by Jace. I mean, I, I I've got that in my mind. That that goal, I can see that goal. You know, every time I say Jason, one of Jason's goals, Jimmy's cross was sensational, and then the ball in the box, brilliant header. They scored just after half time, which was, but but then but they didn't really create. They had a lot of the ball, but I don't remember them. I mean, Fed has made a couple of good saves down at his near post, um, and then we stick. The plan was, which it always was. I think we moved Joby inside, and then we, and then Alfie came on and did what Alfie does. And I actually have seen those two goals today. I was doing something else today, and um, those finishes were a joke. Absolutely, that the first finish. You no, know, I think Noel let the ball go, and it was unbelievable finish. Talk about composure, and his celebration was even better. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Um, Adam LaFonda was born for those moments, wasn't he? he? He's just a complete cold finisher. And 
you want him in your team there and those moments when it really mattered. Um, when he scores the third, though, Brian, the, for me, that's delirium. That is complete ecstasy. I'm sure lots of people listening to this uh, would agree on that. But as the manager, can you kind of like relax at that moment because it was the 90th minute or is your brain just totally until the final whistle goes? I don't mean totally racks, but just slightly. Uh, no, relief. You know, score, score the goal. 3-1 up. First thing I do, Nigel, how long's left? Nigel, how long's left? Four minutes, three minutes, whatever it is. Okay. Three, five. Can they score two goals, three goals in four minutes? Probably, probably can't score four. They might be able to score one, maybe two. Draw. Okay, fine. So you put all of these things and then the referee. And then for the last, see, for the last two minutes of every game, I didn't watch the game. I watched the referee. So I was watching the referee constantly talking to the fourth official to blow up, if we were winning, obviously. And um, I was just watching his reaction and when he was going to blow up. So I kind of knew when it was going to come. Um, and then when he, blow, when he blew up, I thought, yeah, the relief. And then I thought, OK, I've got to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to watch Nottingham Forest play. I went with Nick Hammond. We went to see Forest. And I was in the, the one of the rooms that they they put you in as a as a scout. Some bloke that I knew a scout came up to me. He said, "It's yours to lose now," and I just looked at him and I thought, I don't, "I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying nothing. It's yours to lose." Because it's there was still a massive job to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to beat Forest and West Ham had to not win at Bristol City, and it, I, I hadn't even had any thoughts about whether we were going to go get promoted or not. I, I was thinking, not in a Forest. We got next game. That was it. So after Southampton, that was it. I was focused completely on what was required for the Tuesday night. Yeah, and what a night that was as well. Obviously, we look at back at that now, and it feels so great to have that moment as a Redden fan. But remember, listening to the game, watching the game. Sorry, and you're also keeping an eye on the score that Bristol City were playing West Ham. I think Bristol City beat West Ham from my brain. And I think that was a scenario. Oh, it was a draw, was it? It was a draw. And um, we obviously then have that goes spreads throughout the crowd. And the start, uh, John starts about how we need one more goal to go up. Mm. We get a free kick. And then almost seconds after that, John starts. Mikko Leitowit comes up with that moment that set gets us promoted. I mean, that must be an incredible moment for you. Well, it wasn't a very good game. It was a, it was. A- a tough night, tough opposition, and it was nil-nil, and it looked like it was going to be a nil-nil, and the crowd got us over the line. And if you if if you watch, if you listen to the audio of that game, Ian Hart puts the ball down, the crowd is singing one nil, one goal, and we're going up one nil, one goal. And they, I knew then that they'd finished. I knew it was an advantage for us that we were kicking off at eight o'clock and West Ham were kicking off at quarter to eight. So I thought, okay, that could be useful. And I'd, I'd had all these little details in my mind. I was thinking, well, if they don't get a win, which they didn't, we can win, we're up. And uh, that's what the fans were. Fans were singing, the whole ground was singing, apart from the the opposition fans. And then Ian delivers the ball, Ledge puts it, and he's when we scored. And then it's the longest seven minutes of my life. And then, you know, you've got late in the game, which we don't talk about too often, they had a chance. And Pierce, Alex Pierce, kicked it off the line. Yeah, I love the fantastic player for us. Yeah, what a moment that was. Because I remember sat there in the Amon Donor stand, as it is now, North Stand then, just getting that sinking feeling when the ball was going towards the goal. But thankfully it was there. And then we have the celebrations afterwards. 
on the pitch and I was on the pitch with my dad who's obviously no longer with me now but I'm just so glad I had those moments and I just mm. like to say thanks for that Brian because we really treasure them no and, and I have to say I look back at those those scenes now because obviously I wasn't there I was in the dressing room and, um with with the players and uh yeah it was incredible I mean I've seen something on Sky Sports recently where all the players all the fans came onto the pitch and uh it was just a great feeling of um, of, a, of a club being together. And for me, that was what it was all about, really. It was all about everyone being together. And there was that great camaraderie between the fans who could really associate themselves for, for with the players. And they could associate themselves with members of staff, you know, and players that had come through the ranks. You know, you know we don't mention Churchy enough. We don't mention our Robson Canoe enough. You know, Gems and Piercy and all of these lads that have come through uh, Eamon's academy, the academy, and the way that they were they were brought up, which was absolutely first class. Um, the job that Eamon did, and giving he was giving his younger players to the first team manager. And when he gave them, he said, "Look, he's ready." You knew he was ready. You knew Jam and Churchy and Piercy and Howell. You know they're all ready because they were they were brought up in a in a way that was tough but respectful. Um, and that's something I've, I loved about Reading. It was a tough group of men, but really respectful and proper people. And um, I, I just, that's why, that's why I love coming to work every day. Yeah, it's a magical era and one that we're never going to forget. It's only the second time we were promoted to the Premier League, Brian. I mean, you're up there as one of the greatest managers we've ever had. I don't think that's within question. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's nice to hear. It's it's mm. it's you know it, it's um it's all about the people that were there, and it's about everybody. You know, it's about the staff, about the admin staff, the girls in the offices, and um, all the supporters, and all those great players, and yeah, yeah, and that's 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 what I you know I look at it and I think you know you have to have a vision, and the vision's got to be get the best staffing you can get the best people around the manager and then get the manager you know like if you keep throwing managers at a situation just throwing the manager in and, and pointing the finger at the manager and saying well come on and you get on with it that's not how it works you know you have to have a lot of things in place steve took three years to get ourselves to get promoted you know we took three years as well two and a half years and it just to but it takes time, but you have to get everything in place. It's not just about sticking one person into a position and go, you get on with it. And it nearly happened with the app stand. You know, you know, and the exception proves the rule. Yeah, nearly got the team promoted and when they got to Wembley. But as as I happened since. So that would be for any football club, um, you need to get everything in place and then get the best manager that you think will work with you and your staff and whoever that might be and the players and then go from there. Yeah, thanks a lot for this, um, uh, Brian. Really appreciate it. That's absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad that we have the memories and I'm sure all Redden fans would say thanks for them. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers.